You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Hello, I'm Charles Cooper, and welcome to another talk on the subject of the signs of our Lord's return. Every believer who believes in a literal return of Jesus Christ watches the signs of the heavens to see if there might be an indication that the time of his return has come. Most believers are pretty much convinced that there will be some kinds of heavenly supernatural events that will signal the soon return of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, where do you get that from? What's the basis of that belief? Who taught that? Now, people are good about reading the return of Jesus into just about any strange event with a supernatural twist to it. In my lifetime, Jesus is is supposed to have returned many times. Just about any heavenly phenomena supposedly points to the Lord's return, or at least that's what most people say. We have seen, given advancements in technology and the ability to communicate with everyone on the face of the earth within a very short period of time, we've seen a proliferation in the number of supposed signals that the Lord's uh, return is, uh, in fact, uh, near. Yet, uh, in every case, uh, there have been disappointment, delusion, and false reporting. I fail to understand how good, sensible people can be so easily duped by the supposed gurus or prophets or Bible teachers who make money off of frightening people. Those who know and believe that the Lord's return is connected with the 70th week of Daniel are looking for a covenant between the, the nation of Israel and the man who will ultimately prove to be the Antichrist. Conservative Bible believers are pretty uniform in their conviction that Daniel's final week 
has implications for how we will march from time to eternity, how this earth will change from the way it's operated now 6,000 years and how it will operate during the thousand-year reign of Christ uh, supposedly on this earth. The popularity of the return of Christ and its connection to Daniel's final week makes it unnecessary to spend a lot of time in defending uh, the position. Now, there are those who don't believe that there's any futurity to the uh, final week of Daniel. There are those who believe that it's already happened, that it was connected even with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I would say that a good number of what I call rapturist, whether pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, or post-trib, believe in some kind of physical manifested in the heavenly realm return of Christ. Now, I would hasten to say that if you, in fact, believe that Daniel's 70th week, the, the final week of his prophecy, which seems to be highlighted by man of lawlessness who sets himself up in the temple and proclaims himself as God and demands the worship of the world and those who are unwilling will be persecuted and put to death. The, those who believe that uh, in light of Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 to 27, are uniform in their belief that this period will, will have an inauguration in connection with some kind of treaty being signed between Israel and some man of rather unique capacity. But let me hasten to say that if you, if you are one of those individuals who believe that there is futurity to Daniel's final week, that it is still future, and that there are certain events connected with it which those who are on the lookout should see, know, and understand. If you are one of those individuals, then I must hasten to say that you should not be easily caused to be afraid or fearful or anxiety about the a sudden appearance of Jesus Christ. Prior to 1947, in my, in my estimation, there is absolutely no way Jesus was going to return and rapture
rapture the church away and set up, to return to set up a, a kingdom of a thousand years. No way. For the simple reason that if, if you believe that the 70th week will begin with a man who will make a treaty or confirm it or strengthen it or some in, there's a relationship between the nation of Israel and this a man who enters into a contractual agreement that will allow sacrifices to begin or continue in Jerusalem. The specificity of Daniel 9, 24 to 27 makes it almost impossible to see anything happening without several significant events. Therefore, that should have, before 1947, no one should have believed or be led to believe that Jesus Christ could return at any moment. He couldn't because several critical components necessary, prophetically necessary, just don't exist. For example, prior to 1947, the Jews were were not in the land with an elected body that represented them as their governing authority. There was no people with a leader who could enter into a contact, con, contractual agreement on behalf of the Jewish people. There was no prime minister. There was no Knesset. There was uh, no leader of Israel to whom everyone else looked and would follow. Yet Daniel 9, 27 says that this man who makes a treaty will break it after three and a half years. Very specific time frames. The implication the explicit implication is there must be a people with a national leader who is capable of entering into a contractual agreement and the people are willing to follow that leader's advice. Prior to 1947, there was no nation of Israel in Israel. There were no people there living under a government that could um, make treaties. There, there was no Jewish country, specifically Israel. Therefore, when it says that he will confirm a covenant with the many, that couldn't have happened before 1947, and therefore no one should have been worried or confused or rendered 
emotionally immobile because of a prediction by someone that Jesus was coming very quickly. In fact, in the 1800s, a new denomination was started because a guy believed that Jesus was going to come back and he said it was going to be on a certain day and a certain time and thousands and thousands believed him. It eventually became a church that was built on a lie from the start. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to believe the Bible, you have to believe it all. Particularly when it comes to Bible prophecy, you have to be willing to believe what the text says and what it means. Otherwise, you are systematically wasting your time. Your hermeneutic must be consistently applied. And that's really why you have so many different views and so many different supposed possibilities for understanding how Jesus will return. It's because there is no consistency in the hermeneutic that is applied to the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. The fact of the matter is, before 1947, the geography necessary for the return of Jesus simply did not exist. There was no nation of Israel in Israel. And because of that, there really was no reason for you to be expecting that Jesus could come at any moment. Because he could not. He would not. Because the major pieces of the geographical puzzle did not exist. And the first one of first order of importance, of course, was the nation of Israel. You can't make a covenant to have no people to make a covenant with. You can't, you can't make a covenant that allows people to do their worship in their temple offering sacrifices if there are no people in the land to do it. In other words, it simply could not be. Yet, down through history, each millennia is marked with people fostering the notion that Jesus could return at any moment. Ladies and gentlemen, if you apply the Bible, if you apply your hermeneutic consistently to the book, I believe that you're going to come very close to having if not 100%, certainly a very large percentage of truth about what God is doing and how he's doing it, what he's going to do and how he's going to do it, because he told you in his word. There is really no need for it to be twisting and turning. Eschatological geography demands, number one, that the Jews must be in the land. 
as a, with a governing authority that allows a man or a woman or a representative to enter into a covenant agreement on behalf of the rest of the people. Prior to 1947, that simply did not exist. Therefore, there was absolutely no way Jesus Christ was going to return at that time. See, ladies and gentlemen, it comes down to whether you understand the text and are willing to believe the text. The key to believing it is understanding it. The key to understanding it is having a consistent hermeneutic that can be applied to the text, regardless of what genre it is. If I had been on the earth and understood as I understand now, I'd like to believe that I would not have been running around frightened that Jesus was going to come at any moment. The world was going to end as we know it and usher in this golden age of Jesus' rule on the earth. The eschatological geography just wouldn't allow it. First and foremost, that the Jews must be in their land with a government that has a leader who can lead the people into a covenant commitment. If that's not possible, then he's not coming. It was true then, and it is true now. Don't allow yourself to be washed about, thrown about. Don't, do not allow yourself to be made fearful or have anxiety that Jesus is going to suddenly appear. It's just not going to happen until the eschatological geographical puzzle is set. There will be no return of Jesus Christ. Now, I am willing to bet, I'd leave money on that. In fact, I'd bet my life on that. My hope is, ladies and gentlemen, that you will stop allowing yourself to be harassed by these constant prophets who are tempting to make you believe that they've discovered some secret that nobody else has known and that it proves the return of Jesus is imminent. It simply is not true. If you give me a chance, I'll show you in the scriptures. So the first point of eschatological geography that is significant is that the Jews must be in the land of Israel. They must have a leader who is able to enter into an agreement on behalf of the people and the people are willing to abide by the rules and regulations of that covenant or commitment. Therefore, the Jews, Israel, 
national Israel had to be back in that land with a governing a governing authority that was without challenge. It happened in 1947. Prior to then, I guarantee you, I can say without any fear of recrimination whatsoever, Jesus was not going to return to this earth. Eschatological geography, point one, national Israel must be in the land and in control of their destiny. Without it, there would be no coming of Christ. God bless you. I'm Charles Cooper. I am the director of the Kingdom Alive Ministry. I look forward to getting with you again soon as we continue our look at the eschatological geography that signals the certainty of the Lord's return. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode.